You are listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. This is a podcast about maternal mental health. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are moms who've experienced this ourselves and want to share our stories and stop the stigma. Heads up, some content may be triggering. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and more. Hey everybody, this is Leslie and I am here with my little co-host, my guest, McKenna. Hi, thanks for having me today. And she is with the one, my Wonder Woman journal. Do you like yeah. how I just tried to call it the Wonder Woman? It's okay. <laughs> I own both websites. It's fine. <laughs> so she's both of those. Um, and then today we have our guest, Melissa. And I'm so excited. Yes. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. And she found out about us. She reached out to us to share her story because she had a friend, Rachel, who shared her story a while back and her story kind of got her through. So we'll, we'll get into that, but yeah. we're just so excited to have you here. So... Um, let's get started. All right. So first question I want to ask, I've just been thinking of things I want to ask you since you kind of gave me a little background. Um, prior to getting pregnant, had you had any previous history of depression, anxiety? Yeah. So really? I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety my sophomore year of high school. Um, I'd gone through like a really hard summer and that's when it kind of triggered it. I had my grandpa die. I had a friend die from cancer and then I had another friend commit suicide just like a day after seeing him at our youth council. And so it was like all really crazy. And I started a new school. Like I went to a new high school here in Utah Valley and it was something none of my family had done. So I was on my own trying new things and it was super rough. And we finally got me on medication in high school and I've just been dealing with that since. Hmm. And you found, you found a good space with it. Yeah, I found I found a good balance between medication and doing different things um, to help it. I did a lot of playing the piano to cope, and that was something my family knew. If I started playing the piano, don't bug me. <laughs> hey, that's nice. I should yeah. do that with my little boy. <laughs> I don't know how to play don't the come piano, over but here. if you hear it, don't come in. <laughs> um, okay, and so had you had any fertility struggles getting pregnant no so we were actually gonna wait for two years after being married before we had any kids but we got like a feeling that we needed to start having kids immediately so we'd been married since april and we found out we were pregnant in september whoa yeah and so we just we went with it good for you and yeah. so your baby is just six months six now. Months. Did you have a, a pretty good pregnancy? How was your pregnancy yeah. and your childbirth? My pregnancy was amazing. Like for my depression, it was the best it has been since before I was diagnosed. Wow. And that was like the biggest shock. And I was like, if I could be pregnant forever, I would just for this feeling. Wow. And it was really good. And I, yeah, I loved it. My daughter was super active. Like towards the end, I got more anxious about when she was coming and <laughs> if everything was good but she was really good and then the birth was when it got really traumatic so tell us about that so i before the birth um my husband and i we decided that i wanted to have a natural at-home delivery and so we got a midwife and her name was holly richardson she's amazing but we got ready to deliver at home it was the day after the due date and my water broke and I was super excited. We had everything set up and I'd gone through hypnobirthing 
And so I was able to just do meditation at home and do it all unmedicated and everything was going fine. And the midwife got there at about 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. And they were like, oh, you're actually in active labor right now. Like she's ready to be delivered. And I'd been that way for like an hour or two. And they didn't realize it because I was really quiet. And so we were You're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. The hypnobirthing helped so much. (laughs) Like it's just a lot of breathing techniques and meditation, relaxation things. And I practiced that for the two months before she was born. And so my body just knew like relax your muscles and enjoy what you're doing. So it was really nice. So I got into the birthing tub and then like my daughter started coming and the midwife said, you need to push and get her out now. And I was like, what's going on? And as she was coming out, she's like, you can't stop for another push. You have to push even more. And I was like, okay. So I was pushing and then she's like, stop. And I was like, I thought you said I couldn't stop. And she's like, the cord is wrapped around her neck. I have to get it off. Oh, no. So this is at home in our kitchen in a birthing pool, which is basically a kiddie pool full of warm water. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, and she's, like, unwrapping the cord, and she's like, okay, I've got it off of the neck. You need to push now. So I pushed, and my daughter came out, and the cord was wrapped around her arm oh, and no. her leg as well, and she wasn't breathing. And I'm sitting there in the pool, and I'm, like, expecting to be handed my baby, to be able to cuddle her, and I get, like, a minute of her just against my chest, like not even like 10 seconds and then the midwife starts going into doing cpr compressions trying to get the baby to to cough to breathe at all and for two minutes after birth she wasn't breathing we'd done cpr and we called the ambulance she took a breath at two and a half minutes but it was super shallow and little and you could see her fighting to decide if she was going to stay and it was like i had my mom there who's a certified nurse my mother-in-law is a doula and their friend is the midwife and my husband's there and my younger sister are there to be my support team and this baby's not breathing and we hadn't chosen a name for her yet and so we were like we can't lose this little girl so my husband ran over gave her a blessing as the midwife's doing the cpr standing in the birthing pool and then she takes a breath my mom's on the phone with the ambulance um, the ambulance driver's telling him to get here that we're doing cpr and at six minutes after birth she breathes again and she's able to get more out of her lungs and the ambulance arrives and they they have the oxygen mask ready for my baby and so my husband and my baby leave and they go to the NICU and where are you I'm at home in the birthing pool oh so I have my mom and my mother-in-law and the midwife and my younger sister there with me and I'm still stuck in the birthing pool Um, because they had to get my baby taken care of first. Then I had to get up and get out of it and, like, lay down on the floor because I couldn't make it anywhere else. And so it was, like, I I knew my baby was going to be fine. Like, in my head, it was, like, she'll be fine. But the next thought was, how's my husband going to be? He doesn't handle blood. And this is our first baby. And this is, like, he doesn't always do well with traumatic events. And this was pretty big. And he was pale when he left. So it was a crazy first 10 minutes of life. And then I didn't see her for the next three days. What? Wait, what happened? What? So I, because I had a birth at home, um, I was super weak because I lost a lot of blood after as well. And so I, I had to have help getting even from the floor to the couch because I fainted 
twice that day like I tried to sit up to like just get to like a squatting position and I just like fainted and I've never fainted before so it was really scary (laughs) and so like I couldn't get up and I wasn't feeling well and the midwife's kit said to alternate Tylenol and ibuprofen every three hours for each of them because then I could like it would help with the pain I won't have to be on like over-the-counter pain medication and so I did that but I wasn't strong enough and I didn't feel good enough I couldn't stand with help at all or moving around the house so I couldn't go see her for about three days did you have like we had a panic attacks oh it was really stressful because I I didn't know how my baby was doing I got pictures from the NICU and like a little video and then to help with my milk come in they would record her crying Oh. And that was like the hardest thing because I I didn't get to hear her cry at the house. I didn't get to hold her and she was off at the NICU. And they, to make sure that her organs were able to develop and get the oxygen they needed to preserve what they had, they put her on a cooling therapy blanket. And so she was basically an ice cube for three days. Oh my goodness. And yeah, we couldn't hold her for that first while. And did on the third day when she was ready to go home, were you feeling any better? So she didn't actually get to come home on that third day. Oh. I went to the NICU, um, and my husband wheeled me in in a wheelchair so I could go and see her. And I got to see her, and they had taken her off the cooling therapy, but they were still leaving her in bed to regulate her temperature. So I got to see her, and that's when we actually named her Lydia was that day when I finally got to see her and it was really good to see her but it was so scary because they had wires all over her they had the EEGs EKGs they had heart monitors and they'd been testing everything taking blood all the time it was devastating just to see like this is my tiny like baby girl like she was full term but she was still so precious and little and I couldn't hold her and that was the most heartbreaking thing because I wanted to so bad so those after that little visit, I I was exhausted and I felt sick afterwards, and so I went home, and I didn't see her for two more days, and like I when I went back and saw her the second time, I was able to actually hold her, and that was like the best feeling. Like I went from feeling kind of sick to being like this is the best high ever. Like mm-hmm. just holding my baby, and she still had to be in the NICU for monitoring and stuff. And, so we we kept up with that but I went home that night and like I woke up the next morning being like oh I just need to go to the bathroom I went to stand up and I was like doubling over in pain and it was so bad that it was just like what is going on so we ended up going to the ER and I had a uterine infection (laughs) so I'd seen my baby twice in person in that first week and then I went to the ER and was in the hospital a different hospital for three days (laughs) Holy cow. Wow. And that was my first week with my baby, but totally without her. No kidding. And how long was she in the she hospital? She was in the NICU for three weeks and two days. Did they say why if she was full term? What? They were monitor- monitoring her heart because it had a slight murmur. And they were monitoring okay. her brain to make sure that it was actually functioning and that didn't have too much oxygen lost because she didn't have it at the very beginning of life. Mm-hmm. And they were worried that she wasn't gaining weight. Um, 
or keeping on weight at the right level. And so they kept her there to try and make sure she would be able to eat on her own. That sounds so traumatic. Yeah, that's that's, that's a rough way to start. So with your infection, did you you stayed in the hospital three days? Did you have to get surgery or anything? You just no. They just put me on antibiotics and a steroid to help it clear up, and then I had to finish those antibiotics at home. Um, so walk us through your home, baby's home. Then. So at then we we had a two bedroom apartment, super cute and loved it. <laughs> um, and there were always like we had stairs leading up to the front and stairs to the back, so I always had to do stairs, which was. One of the biggest struggles after that because it hurt to walk. Yeah, ouch. Yeah. But we had a, a nice big family room. Um, I guess it feels big to me. <laughs> but we had that, and then we had her room at the end of the hall, and ours was across from her. And we just had her crib set up in there, and we put a couch in there so that we could lay on it. Um, and then in our room, we had a bassinet so that she could be there for the first month. So... When we got to bring her home, we, we brought her into our room and kept her close. And it was just our little family. It felt like heaven, but there was a lot of, I was very high anxiety at that point. Yeah, walk us through your thoughts. So the doctor, two days before I got to bring her home, told me that I had to watch for signs of her heart failing. And I was like, they were going to have me room in that night so that I could be prepared to take care of her overnight and to make sure she was gaining weight and eating right. And so I I sat there and they told me, like, you need to watch for her being extra sleepy, not waking up for feeding, not responding. You're like, she's a newborn. How, yeah. how do you decide? Yes. Wow. Uh, and they're lot. like, if her hands start turning blue and it's not cold, if her lips start turning blue and it's not cold, or if her feet start turning blue and it's not cold, or they turn gray, like her heart is starting to fail. And that was the first night that they're like, okay, we're going to have you room in here at the hospital and you're in charge of your baby. And like, mm. she still had the heart monitor to monitor oxygen levels and stuff. But like that would go off in the night and a nurse would come in and check. Or she would be fine, but I'd have to weigh her every time I would go to feed her to see how much weight she would gain or how much she actually ate. And it was just like a super stressful first time sleeping there. And like, I had massive anxiety attack. And like, I called my husband. I was like, I need you here now because I can't do this. And like, I reached out to my sisters and it was like, guys, I just need prayers because I can't handle being alone with my baby and this fear that she's going to pass away in front of me. That's terrifying. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point, how was your husband doing? Was he aware of your anxiety? Like you said, you kind of told him to come and be there with you. How was he handling things? He was doing pretty good. Um, because he had known that I'd had anxiety and depression before, he knew to watch for it a little bit. And he knew to help. Just like, if I said to be there, it was just be there and hold me. Like, he didn't have to say anything. He could just listen and just hold me and it would be better because I wasn't alone anymore. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing pretty good um, because I finally was able to be with our daughter and his family wasn't split across the city. Yeah. And so he was happier with that. But and had, did you know anything about postpartum before having a baby? Um, I did know some. Um, I have 
seven older sisters all of them have kids and so <laughs> yeah i come from a big family <laughs> and so i have a like a wealth of knowledge um and so it's been really nice because i had that but it was like uh, at first it was just like okay this is just me dealing with the situation and knowing that like, that i have my own anxieties already and this is just stressful situation and so at the beginning i was like once she's out of the NICU it'll be better it'll be better and so that first month once she was out I had a lot of help from my mom and my mother-in-law at our apartment like my mom stayed a week there with us and would help during the night and so that was something that it was like okay I can do this I've got this month down after that first month and then that's when it started to go downhill again (laughs) talk to us about that um I just started to have anxiety that like we had the outlet monitor on her mm-hmm. and I would just have anxiety that it wouldn't catch her stop mm-hmm. if she stopped breathing and that like I wouldn't hear my baby cry at night. I wouldn't be able to take care of her and like I would just sit there and like hold her and be like, are you breathing? Like I'm holding you, but are you breathing? Are you alive? And are you really here? Are you mine? Or are you going to just be gone in a minute and I won't know? And, like I had anxieties about like even taking her to her first doctor's appointment like the doctor's appointment was just down the road from us but the idea of getting her into a car and having to drive again was like what if i crash what happens if i'm like i have my baby here but what's gonna happen the moment i step out of this door i don't know what's out there anymore it's really scary did you feel like you know this like were you thinking okay it's gonna like we're okay we're just we just need to get to this point or did you start to think like maybe i'm having a little bit of some extreme postpartum signs of anxiety yeah or did you did it click was it you know when did it click for you exactly so it was probably about like her second month that she'd been home was when it started clicking because i would just like before i was like oh it's just anxiety but then it was when she was two months old well two months at home (laughs) Um, it was like I was just going out to get the mail and just like I was holding her and it's just like reaching out my door to grab the mail and it was just there and it was like you should just drop your baby off the ledge down to the bottom apartment or you should just smother your baby while she's crying and it'll stop and you'll be done and like it was all these things about like hurting my new baby and it was like my mind was like what are you doing this is not right this isn't normal like yeah, you have anxiety and depression, but why would you want to hurt your baby? And it was just this battle. And I was like, maybe I'm dealing with something. And that was when um, Rachel shared the her podcast. And I started listening. And then I went back and started listening from the beginning of the episodes. And I just started hearing about the other moms having anxiety with feeding their babies, about doctor's appointments, about sleeping and all all these things and I was like okay I think I I think I actually have postpartum depression not just what I've had since high school and I just kept listening to the the podcasts and my depression and anxiety was getting worse and worse and I I actually had to start back to school when she was three months old and so it was like okay I think I'm okay I'll be with people and I'll talk and things will be good when it just kept getting worse and worse and I like I never shook my baby but there were times where I my anxiety got so bad that I was shaking 
and I was trying to hold her and keep her calm but I was shaking so bad that I was like I can't handle this and she would just start to cry and it would set me off and I would just sit there and be like I can't take care of my baby like this at this point had you talked to anybody about your thoughts and your feelings at this point I had talked to my husband a little bit and been like hey I need you to notice my behavior because I can't always see it and I gave him like papers that the doctor gave to us being like watch for these signs for postpartum depression and anxiety and he was like yeah i'll watch like i'm gonna keep a careful eye on it and i told him like i'm really struggling with feeling even love for our baby like i logically know i love her but i have no feeling i don't have any feelings for anybody like not even myself and it was just it was just a crazy crazy time because i couldn't I couldn't feel anything and my head was screaming at me and I just I told my mom and she was like well maybe talk to your sisters because I had two sisters who went through it really bad and their children were in the NICU even for like a day or two and so she's like talk to them they'll help so I talked to them and they're like well it might be that but try these things like have your husband take a whole night shift so you can sleep the whole night and then see how you're doing the next day and i was like okay i'll try this and it just got worse and i talked to my mother-in-law and she was like you can't let these negative thoughts be in charge you have to talk back to them and like you're not a negative person like you innately are not a negative person and so you know these are not you something else is going on but you can fight it and i was like okay so do i have postpartum depression And it got super bad, like, in the middle of school. And I was like, I'm done. Like, I want to commit suicide. And it's been multiple times now. And I was like, I need help. It's bad enough. And so I I ended up calling. Like, I had to go in for a refill of my, like, normal anxiety depression prescription. And I went to my, like, my primary care physician. And he did nothing for my mental health. <laughs> Like, he's like, yeah, let's just refill your prescription. And, like, he didn't even talk about the fact that I'd had a baby, that there could be postpartum. Like, I filled out the survey, and the nurse was like, we should really talk about this. I think we might need to tell the doctor to look at a new medication. We need to look at everything that's going on. And he did nothing. Like, I requested a blood work blood work, to see what my levels were at. And he was like, oh, your levels are fine. Like, don't worry about it. And, like, he's just like, yeah, just keep taking your prescription. And I was like, I don't feel good. <laughs> and so I went home and I told my mom about it when I saw her because she was taking care of my daughter. She's like, um, no, you need to talk to a new doctor. So I ended up talking. Go mom. <laughs> yeah. I was like, thank you, mom, for telling me that it's okay to reach out for this help. And I ended up talking to a psychiatrist here in Provo. And we started talking and he was like, no, this is something that's more severe. And so... Let's get you on some medication in addition to what you already have. And so we started that and it's we're on medication number three right now. And it's all been very interesting with each one. I believe that. I, it took me a few to get to where I'm at now. And it's it's a it's a journey and, and you just did that. Um McKenna just did the DNA test. Yeah, to you do find like out. a DNA swab, a mouth swab for a DNA test and they test what you genetically are compatible with 
to hopefully skip over all those unnecessary medication that process because I think that was what I was most nervous about was starting something and trying to figure out what worked for me and what didn't I didn't want to go through that and so they actually gave you a list of medications that I am not compatible with and a list that I am compatible with and I'm feeling really good so yeah that's awesome it makes a huge difference when you find the one that you like um do you feel like because you're I mean you're in it right now you know like very much in it (laughs) you're in it do you feel like um my heart's like beating because I know exactly what that yeah you get it oh yeah um I feel like at least in my experience when you get anxiety that bad and you you know I had to sleep with my hand on my son's like chest all night long because I was like he's gonna stop breathing um I feel like the anxiety is so high that it literally just turns your brain off. Yes. Of feeling you feel like it, it's like anything. an out-of-body experience. Yes. Like your brain's telling you one thing, your heart's saying another, mm-hmm. and you just don't have control over anything. 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 And it took me a long time to bond with my son for that same thing. I feel like I literally just... It's like you go into survival mode. Yeah, absolutely. Where you're like, they're, I'm worried they're going to die, so I'm just going to shut it down and not bond with him. So that it doesn't yeah. hurt as bad when he dies. Well, even thoughts of worthiness, like, am oh, I yeah. worthy people? Like, where's my mother's intuition? Hello? Mm-hmm. Yes. Why am I, oh I, I don't gosh. feel worthy enough mm-hmm. to be doing this. Like, they, des- my child, my children deserve better. Like, deserve- I shouldn't be their mom at this point. Like, they would do so much better without mm-hmm. me, with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's, which is not true. That's not true. And that is like such a common thought mm-hmm. too, for all of the moms that come on and share their stories. It's. And even people that don't, but like anybody I've ever talked to about it, is that they feel like their families are better off. And I'm a product of that. My dad committed suicide and I'm not better off, you know, same mm-hmm. thing. But I understand it a lot more now because I have been there. But you that's say... That's your truth in the moment. Though. Oh my gosh, that's what, yeah. It makes that's logical you sense yeah. in your head in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. When, when you were in that moment, when you were thinking of taking your life and thinking I'm, you're just done, what stopped you um there was like still the thought that like I've had like I had a friend commit suicide and like there still was part of me that knew that my daughter needed me but it was in my head it was she just needed me for food supply (laughs) and I'd been pumping and trying to breastfeed and it was just she needs the food and nourishment that she can get from me and then I don't know what my husband would do if I left. Like, he's my best friend. I grew up with him. And so I knew it would break his heart if I was gone. And I knew he would be able to take care of the baby. But I knew he would struggle so much more. And it was just like, I can't let my husband struggle like I've been doing. And so I stopped. And at that point, I told him just to lock up my medications and put them in his safe. And I... I block out the passwords even though he's told me them but i i told him like take the medication and lock it up i can't have it here and i can't be alone good for you for doing that that was brave that is brave so today actually back up when you reached out to us to share your story what brought you to that hearing everybody else's stories was like my saving grace for like a month or two I'd listen to them and it was the okay I'm not alone like I I don't physically know this person but hearing their story gave me some strength and 
I I kind of fell through the healthcare cracks. Yeah. In this whole process. Like I still haven't had I never had a six week follow up appointment because I went through everything and like that's having its repercussions now on me physically and at that point when I reached out to you guys was I don't want someone else to go through the same thing I'm I'm 23 now 22 I'm one of those ages somewhere in there (laughs) but I'm a first-time mom I'm a college student still and I had no clue what was gonna happen and hearing everybody else's stories where it was their first second third or even sixth child and they were struggling it was like i need to share now well it's my first and i can recognize some of it because i know once i recognize it that's power and if i can help somebody else recognize what's going on that can give them some power back Mm -hmm. um so cheesy have you seen the movie The Labyrinth? Probably not because you're so young. Yes, with David Bowie. <laughs> you're my favorite. I got it for Christmas one year. I love it. <laughs> so I literally, I, I have no shame in this. I compared my postpartum experience to that movie because I felt like The Labyrinth was postpartum depression. It's insane. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like, oh, you have no power over me. And she just pieces him out like that. She realizes that I've got this. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to take care of myself. And I finally just realized it was that, like, exactly what you just said. Like, own it and take it on and, you know, make your way through it. And so I think, I know that's so cheesy, but I'm so glad you've seen that movie. (laughs) But, (laughs) and anyone that hasn't, I still love you. Thanks. Um, (laughs) But really, though, I think think just recognizing that and and it's outing it. It's realizing I have postpartum. I'm going to share my story and I'm going to speak it out loud. And it's, it's, I don't know. So I'm so glad that you reached out to us. Um, so what, what are you doing right now for self-care? What kind of stuff are you doing now that you know you have postpartum, you're taking medication, you're taking the steps. Oh, I am, well, I'm playing the piano a lot more. Good. And I, I'm actually talking out about what's, what I've been going through. I've been sharing more with my family and I talk a lot more with my husband about it. And like, I'm pretty open about it. Like my depression and anxiety from before, but now it's more letting my family know that I need help. And I'm actually telling them how much I appreciate their help because that's something that's helped me turn around and be like, I need help and it's okay to ask for it. And it's okay to, to accept it yeah that's that's the truth accepting it is the hardest part hard it's so hard um do you do besides the medication do you, are you doing any kind of meditation because you were saying you did that a little bit when you were pregnant yeah things like that how do you find time for that with a newborn though like no oh. way no i have i use a uh, bluetooth headphones so she doesn't get to them <laughs> um but i like at nighttime, I have a sleep meditation I do, um, and I just listen to it, and it helps me fall to, fall asleep. And I try to like read a picture book sometimes because I love picture books, and I just do that. And I try to write a little bit in my journal. Haven't been super great about it, but I've done that and just record my thoughts on my phone, and that's helped. And 
You're amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you realize how far ahead you are of this. Most people wait so much longer to get help or to even talk about it to somebody. You're so far ahead in the healing process than so many people right. and doing so many things. That's amazing. Um, do you feel, do you give yourself grace and forgiveness? Not always. Not like I, not like I probably should, but I, I've been trying and I've been recognizing more of the progress of what I've been doing because I'm, I'm still in school. I just finished three weeks of student teaching and I go to student teach next semester, the full time in an elementary school. Mm. And so it's like, I've been doing a lot and just having to say, I made it through today and I didn't hurt myself I didn't hurt anyone else and I didn't let my thoughts win mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been doing each day you're strong yeah Thanks. seriously so you should <laughs> so say impressed. every day I am strong yeah you're doing amazing things you really are I'm so impressed with you thanks um here's the final my favorite question and I love like if I could I think one day I'm gonna make a podcast of just everyone's answer to this question. Oh, that's a good idea. That would be, be awesome. awesome. Yes. Because I love them all so much. I want to make like a book out of them. I was just going to say a book. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Melissa, what would you tell yourself on your darkest day or another mom? Whoever is out there, just like you, listening to this, what would you tell her? You know yourself best. And even if the others around you can't see or hear what you're going through because a lot of it is inside your head you know yourself best and you know that you need help and it's okay to reach out for that beyond what others say yeah and you know your baby best no matter what no matter what others say you still know your baby best (laughs) so true mama knows best Okay, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. This is, like you said, you're listening to this podcast has helped you. And I told you when you got here, like, your story is beautiful. Thank you. And it's something that's so common. And you're going to help a lot of people Mm -hmm. as well through this. So you are brave. So many people. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Phoenix podcast. If you feel like you can relate and would be open to share your story with us, please email us at risingphoenixpodcast at gmail.com. For more information on local and national resources for pregnancy and postpartum health, visit www.postpartum.net or www.psiutah.org. We are recording from the Stone Sheba podcast studio in Provo, Utah. Check them out on Instagram for more info on our podcast and others. Thanks for listening.